Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 117 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast, brought to you by Just Thrive Probiotics. I'm Dana. And I'm Tiffany, and we'll be your hosts for today. Today we are talking with dietitian and culinary nutrition expert Lisa Markley and integrative nutrition and hormone coach Jill Grunwald. Together they co-authored the gorgeous groundbreaking and scientifically supported Essential Thyroid Cookbook. And I guess I was just tongue-tied because I'm sitting here holding the book and it is gorgeous and I wanted to get through that part really quick so I could talk about how amazing this thing is. It is spectacular. And of course the forward is by Aviva, who we love. We love we Aviva. Love. We, want to clone. we want to clone her. Yes, we do. <laughs> it is a gorgeous book. An absolutely gorgeous book. And I love the tidbits and the notes. I just I think it's an awesome, awesome resource. Oh, I know. I was so excited. I mean, you know, I I get books all the time, and of course I love them all, but, like, this has pictures, color pictures. I mean, it is gorgeous. I mean, I, like, don't even want to, like, take it to the kitchen and, like, you know, I just want to, like, you know, keep it all pretty, but I guess that's probably not going to happen. Okay, well, we know that they're probably waiting to talk, and before we get to that, I wanted to mention um, our sponsors, just Thrive, who are it's amazing. They're fantastic. Tiffany and I love the product. We take it ourselves. And uh, there was actually a, a new, well, not a new, but a study that came out recently. You want to talk about it a little bit, Tiff? Yeah, and I highly encourage everybody to uh, go to thriveprobiotic.com. Sign up for their email list because they will let you know when these webinars come out and these new studies. And they are awesome, awesome, awesome. So this, you know, is a groundbreaking study on um, leaky gut and, of course, the probiotic strains that are in Just Thrive. And they found that after 30 days of the spore-based probiotic supplementation, um, there was an association with 42% reduction in endotoxins, which is, is huge. I mean, that's huge. And a 24% reduction in triglycerides, which is also a very common hypothyroid problem and metabolic endotoxemia, which LPS and all these different things, you'll hear Kieran Krishnan explain and talk about even potential problems with coconut oil and the ability for the Just Thrive probiotic to um, kind of reset and help with leaky gut. So I know just from my experience, um, I was out of them for a couple of days and felt a tremendous difference between uh, taking them and not taking them. So uh, I just think it's awesome. And, you know, just make sure to get on their email list at thriveprobiotic.com. And check them out and put them in the cart and hit purchase because uh, it'll change your life. Okay, guys. We are ready. I I believe they're uh, with us. So there will be four of us on the call. So um, everybody just have a a little patience with us. It's always fun when we have uh, more than uh, three of us. So um, we are uh, ready to talk to them and excited. And let's get this thyroid nation thriving. Good morning. Can you hear us okay? Yes. Yes, we can hear you. 
Thank you for having us. This is Jill. Okay. Hi, I'm here too. This is this is Lisa. I'm here too. Good morning. All right. Well, welcome, ladies. Thank you. This This book is is amazing. (laughs) I just have to say, it is. I know you guys have to be so proud of it. I mean, it is stunning. I mean, even my husband picked it up and was like, wow. I was like, I know, right? I know. And, you know, guys don't usually get into that kind of thing. And he picked it up. He's like, oh, it's heavy. Oh, look. Oh, my. You know, he was really impressed. So I thought it was pretty cool. So I wanted to share that with you guys. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Well, um, with. That's right. Everybody's story. Get to know the authors a little bit. And I know both of you guys have a really amazing thyroid journey to share and tell. So how about if we start with Lisa? Sure. Yeah. So, um, gosh, it goes back, honestly, to about 2008 when I started feeling some tightness and discomfort and swelling in my throat. And, I mean, it was difficult to swallow. I remember trying to eat some sautéed greens one night and almost choking on them because it was hard to get food down sometimes. Just I just felt really inflamed and swollen, but I didn't really know what was going on. And so I went into the doctor, and I, I got my thyroid labs drawn. They, they were concerned because they palpated and they felt the swelling. And they sent me to get um, a CAT scan, and basically that came back telling me that I had thyroiditis, which is an inflammation of the thyroid. And I got my labs back, and I had elevated thyroid antibodies, but my TSH was normal. So they weren't ready to give me any sort of medicine, and I didn't really know a whole lot back then about the thyroid and, you know, just all of the interconnectedness of how it affects every cell in the body and, you know, how it might be um, manifesting with other symptoms in my body. Um, some of the other things I was struggling with at the time was anxiety. I had difficulty concentrating. I had some fatigue. And so I just, I kind of, I guess, didn't really do much about it at the time because the doctors said, you know, um, you just have thyroiditis. You don't need medicine right now. And I I honestly didn't really, I wasn't woken up yet (laughs) as to what I should be or could be doing. And then, um, I was pregnant with my son, um, 2009 to 2010, and my pregnancy went great. After my pregnancy, um, I felt great. I didn't. I lost the weight really, really fast. I think I must have gone into a period of hyperactive thyroid, where you lose weight really fast. But I, I don't know. I just I was monitoring my thyroid throughout my pregnancy with labs, and nothing really, you know, was happening. Nothing too crazy. Uh, that needed to be dealt with at the time, and just my doctors wanted to keep an eye on it. And then it wasn't until about a year after I had my son, I was breastfeeding um, still at like 13 or 14 months, and I woke up one morning and I just had tingling and numbness in my hands and feet, and it was literally, I woke up one morning and I put my feet on the ground, and I just had these sharp sensations in my feet. It wasn't like your feet being asleep. It was a little different. It's hard to describe. But tingling and numbness in my hands and my feet to the point that my my fingertips were so raw and so sensitive that when I tried to buckle my son into his car seat 
or even to button his clothes or snap anything. I was in tears because I was in so much pain um, from this new sensation that I was having. I also started having really a lot of heaviness and weakness and pain in my, like, shoulders and in my hips, where I'd be, if I had to walk up a flight of stairs, I'd almost feel like my legs were going to just give out. It was almost like I had to tell my body to take that next step. (laughs) Um, So it was, those symptoms were very alarming to me, and I got in um, with with a neurologist, and I actually saw two different neurologists, and had some MRIs and nerve conduction studies, and all of that came back clean. There weren't any anything that there wasn't anything they were concerned about. In fact, when I went for my follow-up to interpret the the results, they said, you know, oh, okay, uh, you don't have MS. Like they didn't really say in the beginning that that's what they were trying to rule out. But when I went to that follow-up appointment, they're like, just be glad you don't have multiple sclerosis. Just be glad you don't have MS. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I have? And they couldn't really tell me. They thought, well, maybe you have, maybe you have carpal tunnel because your hands hurt and your wrists hurt. And I'm like, okay, but that doesn't explain the rest of the symptoms in my body, the fatigue that I'm having, the the pain in my feet, the the leg and you know hip pain that I'm having. It doesn't explain anything else that's going on. And all they could really do for me was send me to a physical therapist. And so I, you know, I was like, well, <laughs> they're like, we'll do surgery on your carpal tunnel if, if physical therapy doesn't help. I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't have carpal tunnel. <laughs> I just knew that that was not the deal. But I went ahead and went to this physical therapist, and she thankfully knew a a more open-minded, more uh, holistic doctor that she was able to refer me to and get me in with. And it wasn't until I started seeing him that that a lot of the pieces to my puzzle were started started to be put together. Um, He eventually diagnosed me with Lyme, um, but initially he he went ahead and treated my thyroid with... um, with medicine, and I, he put me on armor first, and I, I, and I immediately started feeling a little bit better. Um, I mean, I wasn't 100% better by any means, um, but it did change my energy levels, and it did help me cope better with, you know, trying to raise uh, at that point in time almost 16 months old, because it took me a few months to even get to that point. So it's been a long, a long journey. I saw him. He treated me for Lyme, which was six months' worth of antibiotics, and really um, I wasn't getting a whole lot better after that. Um, But I saw another specialist who specialized in Lyme, and this other doctor that I saw, he's an infectious disease doctor, Dr. Uh, Joseph Brewer. He's here in Kansas City. But anyhow, he's been kind of on the cutting edge of um, mycotoxin illness, which is mold illness, it's exposure to black mold, and so here's another layer of my illness that I got to discover was, you know, uh, that I had had exposure in work environments to black mold and, you know, um, was very sensitive um, to uh, the molds and and those, you know, contributed to a number of my symptoms as well. So that's, what was, so that's what's been so difficult and puzzling about my chronic illness is that there's so many layers to it and it's like you don't really know what came first, the chicken or the, the egg, and they, the symptoms manifest very much the same way. And so it's really, I mean, I, you know, I'm not really attached to any labels like 
that the label of Lyme's disease or the label of Hashimoto's or the label of mycotoxin illness. I'm more focused on, okay, well, what's, what are the root causes of these illnesses and how can I, what can I do to support my immune system because all of these illnesses cause the immune system, you know, uh, all sorts of imbalances and, um, and inflame the nervous system and, and that sort of thing. So I'm using nutrition to my best ability along with some other modalities like acupuncture and um, I have an infrared sauna. I've gone for IV glutathione. Um, I've done a, a number of different things that have helped me. I mean, I even have a little trampoline rebounder to help my lymphatic system. Um, so I have a number of things that I've worked into my regimen that have helped me improve. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm 100%, but um, I'm definitely functioning. I'm able to get off the couch <laughs> most days of the week. And uh, whereas when all this started, I, it was really difficult to get off the couch and, and function. So I'm sorry that was a long story, but... <laughs> No, that's okay. That's really important. And that, you know, the awesome thing about those three things is a lot of the protocols for healing are are really the same, you know, similar, you know, so you're just kind of progressing forward. And, and you know, Dana and I always say, there's, you know, this is a journey. You know, I mean, I, I, I hate to say that I don't ever feel like I'm, you know, 100% well because if there's stress and different things that come up in our life, it's, it's a whole new evaluation period. So it sounds like you're doing awesome. And you have to be doing pretty well because you authored this amazing book. So, <laughs> so you're, you know, yeah. you're in a, a great place. All right, now, Jill, oh, you know, one thing, Lisa, so are you still taking medication? Or we just always kind of like to ask questions. Yeah, I am. I'm, I, you know, I am still taking. Um, I had switched at one point. Um, I saw an endocrinologist and, I ended up going on Synthroid for a few months, and I didn't tolerate Synthroid very well. I mean, it worked for about a month or so. It made me feel better, but then, right. um, and, you know, that was just me, my experience. And then I eventually found that um, Nature Throid um, and a combination of Nature Throid and Lyothyronine, which is T3, um, work best for me in trying to keep my hormones balanced out. But and that, that's exactly that why we asked that question because, yep. you know, everybody is very different. Now, Jill, yeah. I understand that you actually were able to remiss your Hashimoto's, and you are not on a medication. So tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I have a much less complex and heartbreaking story than Lisa does. Lisa <laughs> and I are really close friends, and every time I hear her story, I get emotional. Um, uh, I my, short, my My story is pretty short and straightforward. So back in 2008, uh, well, really a little before that, but I didn't make my way to a doctor until 2008, I was experiencing a lot of lower back pain, and nothing was resolving it. And a friend of mine here in the Twin Cities said, oh, there's this doctor over here, and I had lower back pain, and he helped me, so go see him. And I did. I didn't even bring up thyroid. I didn't even mention my thyroid, and he had the wherewithal to test my thyroid, including my antibodies, which is pretty, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, it's unusual. A lot of doctors don't test the antibodies, so I just happened to stumble into this fortunate situation and was diagnosed with 
Hashimoto's, and when I went back for my lab results, he said, well, the first thing I have to tell you is that you have Hashimoto's. And I said, no, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I totally dismissed him. Um, and uh, he said, well, no, actually, you do. You know, it's right here on your lab values. So um, I had been a nutrition and hormone, well, not so much a hormone coach, more so a nutrition coach up to that point. I wasn't so much into educating myself about hormones in the immune system because I hadn't had my diagnosis yet. But that, um, he got out his pen and he started to write me a prescription. And I said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm not totally against it, but I want to see what I can do on my own. I want to educate myself about this. I know that Hashimoto's at its root is an immune system problem, not necessarily a thyroid problem. So I just dug in and did the work and studied immune modulation and hormone balancing. And, yeah, I didn't start thyroid hormone replacement ever, but I do know that it's a necessary um, thing for some people. I'm not categorically against it. I just happen to be fortunate enough to not need it. No, and, you know, that's one of the reasons, Jill, we do ask that question because everybody is so very different in this journey. Some people are able to you know, remiss their disease and be able to go without thyroid medication. And then there's people that are, you know, 110% reliant on it. And that's exactly why we ask that question because we we don't, it's not about, you know, forcing guilt or success or anything like that. It's really more about sharing the differences in the journey. So, you know, we appreciate that, which is exactly why, you know, which is exactly why we want to hear a little bit about everybody's story because it is so very different. There, yeah. There's no such thing where we all just fit into this unique definition and box, you know. There's there's always so many different factors. And there's someone out there that's just like you. So, you know, Dan and I have always found that it was really important to make sure that we point that out. And, you yeah. know, I have to mention, it's so interesting because, you know, when I started out on my journey, I was actually correctly diagnosed as well, but I was living in Costa Rica, so I wasn't able to get all the different, you know, all the help that I needed. But, you know, even when was that, five or six years ago, uh, people weren't talking about the bio-individuality of it all. Even then, I mean, it was it's even kind of recent that we're mentioning how different everybody is because back then it was, well, you need to heal your gut or it was you need to check your nutrient deficiencies and you need to take selenium and that's it, you know, and of course you need to take whatever, you know, medicine works for you, but nobody was talking about how very, very different we all are until, I don't know, what, the last year or two? Right. Not that we didn't know it, but right. nobody was really talking about it. So that's that's one another reason why, Tiffany, like, I like to bring it up and because, you know, look at you guys. You're really good friends and your stories are so different. Same thing with mm-hmm. Tiffany and I. So thank you for sharing because it really, it helps people. Um, you know, who are listening, you know, obviously not feel so alone, but also start thinking, huh, and maybe ask questions they weren't going to before. So so thank you for sharing exactly. your story. Yeah. It, it always kills me how a hypothyroid and a hyperthyroid that have their, you know, their thyroid removed or that has Graves' disease, or even a Hashimoto's and a Graves, and Graves ending up hypothyroid, right? So we're all on, or not all of us, but, you know, the same medication for hypothyroidism, and yet we're treated the same, and they're they're literally like two entirely different hypothyroid patients. It's, yeah. You mm. know, I always kind of scratch my head on that one. You're like, just wow, you know, and, and it doesn't work for most people. You know, with Graves' disease, there's many other things to consider, 
you know, they have special circumstances and even differences amongst themselves. So it's just a very cool question to ask, and we appreciate um, your journeys and sharing them with everybody. So let's jump into this beautiful book, ladies. <laughs> so tell us, what makes, other than the fact that the cover is smoking, and I love the <laughs> format and the simplicity of the recipes and even the notes that you guys put in there, I love it. But what makes this book so unique? Um, Jill here. Lisa, do you, do you mind if I take this question? Go for it. So first I will say uh, Lisa is a, is a master recipe, recipe developer. I mean, I had eaten a lot of her creations even before the idea for this cookbook came along. And in November of 2012, when we decided that we were going to take this journey together, the first thing I said to Lisa was, the last thing I want is for this to just be another cookbook because I had seen too many cookbooks, many of which had wonderful, yummy, easy-to-prepare recipes that claimed to be supportive in this or that way, but I felt like there wasn't enough substance in the book to show me how supportive those recipes were. So what I said to Lisa was, I don't want to leave any doubt in anyone's mind that this is thyroid and immune supportive. I want to do some really intense nutrient research. And one thing led to another, and we ended up spending multiple weeks researching the most thyroid-supportive nutrition and the most immune-supportive nutrition, where that overlapped. And then we were looking at all these different databases from, you know, Linus Pauling Institute to um, the U.S. Nutrient Database, and we put all this data together and then we created a ranking system for foods high in those nutrients. So we didn't want to include ingredients that were, uh, or we didn't want to highlight, I should say. We, we didn't want to highlight ingredients that were mediocre or low sources of those nutrients. So um, we created this really geeked out ranking system <clears throat> <laughs> where an ingredient had to score a certain number in order to make it to our master list. And then Lisa took all that data and created her recipes from those ingredients. Now, it doesn't mean that every single recipe is only made of those ingredients. We certainly have other ingredients in the cookbook, but the bulk of the ingredients are proven, scientifically proven, to be thyroid and immune supportive. And we've got all that research in the book, which I didn't know if people would actually want to read it. I, but I took solace in the fact that it was there. People could take comfort that the science was there, but we're actually getting a lot of feedback that people are reading it. Oh, and it, it is. totally appeals to my, to my nerd <laughs> alert, just for me personally. <laughs> Well, I and I, can, I know, and I can see, I mean, I can see why you weren't sure, you know, what it was going to do and, and that you still had passion, you know, to do it that way. And I really appreciate it. And I think, I think everybody will truly, it's, it's laid out very wonderfully. It's easy to read. It's easy to understand. My favorite is y'all's geeked out version. You know, you've got the little paleo symbol. You've got the vegan symbol. You have the EP circle, 30 minutes or less. So on each recipe, Okay, let's get this, guys. We're going to get to the meat 
of a lot of this too, but I just want to talk about how wonderful this is. Like homemade coconut milk, let's just say, it has a VAP, an AIP, an EP, and a 30-minute symbol at the bottom. So you'll know exactly what you're dealing with when you're cooking it. And I know that my, right. my partner for another business, uh, Hypothyroid Chef, Jenny, would really appreciate this because it tells you exactly what's going on, and that's what she was trying to create when she started her website. It also has nutrients at the bottom, and it tells you what nutrients are in it. A, B2, B6. I've got you know avocado toast with over easy egg and sesame seed, seaweed sprinkle. I mean, it is just not only is it beautiful, but the science is really cool. So we appreciate that part. I think most people will. Yeah, and I, like I, I, think I actually, I actually had to grab a tissue with the whole thirty minutes or less for myself personally. <laughs> I was like. Oh, you know, because it seems very daunting a lot of times. You know, a lot of the – I do cook a lot from home and, and cook a lot from scratch, but obviously that 30 minutes to be able to follow something that's good for me, good for my thyroid, you know, is just – yeah, I'm just like, yes! Can I, can I add to that? This is Lisa. I just wanted to speak to how we kind of came up with the legend and the nutrients. I know Jill kind of explained the the the, the research we did um, to create the recipes, but basically from Jill's nutritional springboard, um, listing all of the foods that were great sources of these key nutrients, then I was inspired to then put these foods together into recipes. So what was really wonderful is that it didn't, it wasn't that hard just in the way that I always cook, um, you know, focused on combining more, um, whole minimally processed foods, um, that that the that these the ingredients came together really easy and when I went back to go an, analyze some of the recipes and our goal was to have the recipes each contain at least five of these key nutrients I'm like wow some of these contain like twelve or more <laughs> you know so yeah. it just goes to show that when you're cooking in a way that I mean we we were a little bit um, we got a little reductionistic in our thinking around, you know, looking at the nutrients and wanting to explain where we were coming from. But then when we kind of pulled back out and took a bigger picture look at combining whole foods, like, well, if you are cooking well with balanced ingredients and whole food ingredients, the nutrition will be there as a byproduct. It's not, it's not mm-hmm. hard to, you know. And so we, we did want to make this um, user-friendly, for as user friendly for the home cook as possible, so we did make that guide to the recipes: B for vegan, P for paleo, A I P for autoimmune protocol, E P. Some people might be confused by that, so I wanted to explain. Um, that's elimination provocation diet. I know some people just call it elimination diet, but we 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 think it's important to include the word provocation as well. And then the whole thing about 30 minutes or less that we're you know that we think is important is that to recognize is that many of us dealing with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism are exhausted and overwhelmed and just trying to figure out how to function (laughs) day to day. So, you know, trying to figure out how to eat can be overwhelming. And I would encourage anybody who's just kind of starting to think of utilizing food as medicine to maybe focus on these recipes that are, you know, easier to prepare the 30 minutes or less and, and not worry so much about the ones that might take a little bit more time. Um, I did not, on purpose, I did not include preparation time 
um, on every recipe specifically because it is so subjective and we might, you know, I know when I cook I have lots of distractions going on so it might take me 45 minutes to prepare something because I'm dealing with kids <laughs> versus 15 minutes that it might take somebody else. So, But the 30 minutes or less definitely should take 30 minutes or less. How many um, recipes are in here? Oh, well, there's over 100. Uh, I think at last count, and honestly, I've kind of forgotten since then because we went through so many edits. Um, I would say close to 115. Wow. And and they and they and they're a variety of um, you know of you know we've got a, a whole chapter on breakfast. We've got a chapter on nourishing beverages that includes smoothies and tea, you know, different, a couple of soothing teas that you could drink, um, and then how to make a few homemade milks, like homemade hemp milk mixed with sunflower seeds, um, homemade coconut milk, chocolate cashew milk. So there's, there are those um, beverages, breakfast, appetizers and snacks. We've got a condiment sauces and seasonings chapter that honestly I think was probably my favorite. Um, those were probably my favorite recipes to develop because I discovered pretty quickly, you know, if I have, if I take the time one day a week to make a sauce or have some seasonings on hand, that it can, it doesn't matter what I throw in my pan or pull out of the oven. If I can drizzle something on it, it'll perk it up and make it taste amazing, even if it's something really boring and bland like a chicken breast. <laughs> so um, I do try to make some sort of sauce or dressing every week, and I think that's uh, pretty key for eating flavor from flavorful meals. But we even have main dishes, soups, salads, um, sides, and not to forget our sweets and treats as well. Oh, yeah. Of course, I skimmed to the back and looked at that first. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know. Because, you know, there's so much hidden gluten and different things in sauces. I mean, for for me, that was a huge thing. I can get hit so hard with salad dressings and sauces things like that I'm like oh my god what was in that you know here you're thinking it's benign so that that was my favorite section (laughs) okay and what about this berry parfaits with vanilla cashew cream and nutty chia date crumble are you kidding me I mean and you can see the picture it looks that was amazing That one's one of my favorites for sure. And honestly, I pull that out for dinner parties a lot because it's really simple, but it's, if you serve it in a wine glass, it can be kind of elegant. And right. it's it's rich. It's got a nice richness to it, but it's not too heavy. Um, I used to teach cooking classes for Whole Foods Market for about six and a half years, and this was one that I would change every season. I would Sometimes I would do pears and apples. And sometimes I would do fresh berries or peaches, cherries. You can change the fruit out. That's what's so cool about it. And then with the cashew cream, you know, you can add lemon. You can these warmer or these um, cooler months. I'm going to add a little cinnamon to my cashew cream. So you can really use these recipes kind of as a template. And then, you know, depending on the season, adjust the fruits or whatever, you know, in season or sounds good at the time and then just swap things out. Um, just to vary it up a bit. Well, I want to get into um, something, Tiffany and I talked about before you guys popped on the show, and I kind of want to mention, you know, the word diet. And I'm so glad there's nothing about diet 
in here. I mean, it's not that's such a you know such a loaded word. And I mean, if everybody right. will just eat, like if you just ate from everything in this book, there's no diet needed. And and we are so bio individual. Yeah, I mean, it's just real food that you don't you know buy from a box. It's just real good, healthy tasting, yummy tasting food. And, um, you know, you kind of cover a gamut with all these different recipes. And I wanted to talk about this whole um, paleo, keto, you know, carb thing. And I know you guys have a definite opinion on that. I just kind of wanted to go there because we have lots of listeners and we have lots of different guests that have different opinions and things. And that's one thing that we wanted our show to be was it, it wasn't boxed in and we weren't censoring things, but we really, both Tiffany and I kind of agree with your approach. So will you guys talk about the carb uh, part of the book and uh, why you in- included some things you did? Yeah, this is Jill. So I've been a nutrition coach working with individuals for over 10 years. I taught some group classes too, but I'm one of the holdouts. I'm one of the people who is actually still doing a little bit of individualized coaching. And the reason I bring this up is because I have learned so much from my clients. I, I, you know, my practice has been developed because of those individual relationships. And what I have found repeatedly is that people with hypothyroidism don't do well on low-carb diets. I shouldn't. I should, let me let me rephrase that. Many people. I don't want to make a blanket statement. Many people with energy issues and hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, they don't do well on a low carbohydrate diet. I don't do well on a low carbohydrate diet. I feel kind of shaky and irritable. Um, I don't. I don't do well. But the the trap that a lot of people fall into is, oh, I'm overweight, right? And we all know that. Being overweight or weight loss resistant is one of the hallmark symptoms of hypothyroidism. So people, you know, by no fault of their own, um, believe that a low-carbohydrate diet is a good idea. And it can work in the short term. Some people go low-carb and don't lose any weight. Some people will go low-carb and they'll lose some weight initially and then they hit a plateau or they start gaining the weight back. And... I'm not anti-paleo. I am not anti-AIP. And I guess I would say in the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of paleo and AIP proponents kind of, um, I wouldn't say reverse their stance, but now that we know that a low-carb diet can actually be harmful for some people with hypothyroidism, a lot of those people who were very, Um, you know, big proponents of low carb have actually, you know, softened their stance a little bit and said, okay, now we know that people with hypothyroidism, many of them don't do well on a low carbohydrate diet. So um, we, you you probably saw in the book that there is a chapter devoted to not only why this is not another paleo or AIP cookbook, not that we're against those diets because we're not, but then there's also a subchapter called Low Carb, a disaster for those with Hashimoto's, and I outline how a reduction in that glucose can actually 
inhibit the thyroid hormone T4 to T3 conversion. It can make it more challenging for people to thermoregulate. You know, a lot of people with hypothyroidism are cold. Mm. Um, I never suffered from being cold until I tried low-carb as an experiment. I wanted to lose a few pounds, so I tried it. This was several years ago, and I, I couldn't stay warm. I was freezing, and as soon as I put just a few carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, back into my diet, you know, everything leveled out. So um, the brain is a glucose hog. The brain really needs some glucose, and a lot of people who go low-carb end up saying, I was really tired, I was really spaced out, I felt like I couldn't concentrate, Um now, you mentioned keto. I also have read a lot about the ketogenic diet, which is very low-carb. It's different than Atkins. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a different modality. A lot of people equate keto and Atkins. They're not the same. But the ketogenic diet is kind of popular right now. I know that it can be very helpful for people who um, um, have had cancer. You know, it starves cancer cells. It does put the body into a state of ketosis, but it's not its not for everyone. And um, It really never was designed to be a long-term diet approach. It was more no. for uh, people who were critically ill or, you know, uh, was phenomenal for pediatric um, epilepsy. Yeah. But it really was never designed to be a long-term approach to, uh, to eating. I agree. I agree. I, I'm I'm not a big um, I'm not a big keto diet fan, but I I do know that it can be helpful in the short term, um, you know, for some people. But I I'm a big proponent of eating some healthy carbohydrates, and as you guys know, there's a difference between complex and simple carbohydrates. So I'm not talking about you know junk carbs from things like you know gluten free muffins and gluten free bagels and gluten free pasta like. I'm not categorically against pasta either, but, you know, like Lisa wrote a whole um, part two of the cookbook about, well, lots of different things, but how to properly prepare some of these things so that we do assimilate the nutrients and we do reduce the phytic acid and the lectins. And I just, I've never been a proponent of low carb and I've never been anti-grain and I've never been anti-legume. Do I think that people should go crazy with any of those foods or food groups? No, but I think they're part of a well-rounded, healthy diet. And then that includes people who have Hashimoto's. Well, we totally agree with you, and that's why we 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 set you up. We knew that was (laughs) We did know that was going to be your answer, but we just wanted to say it for, for all the listeners out there. Okay, so I just want to clear a couple things up. Paleo is, you know, mostly low carb, but, you know, you can eat enough fruits and vegetables to get plenty of, you know, the things that you need. And I think that the paleo done correctly or done in not such a heavy meat, you know, direction can balance that. Is that correct? Yes, and I would say the what I've seen over the last, couple of years, a lot of paleo proponents are advocating carbohydrates in the form of starchy vegetables. 
They're mm-hmm. still anti-grain, but in years past, like going back even further, a lot of paleo proponents were saying, don't even eat starchy vegetables, like sweet potato right. and yams, because they're right. so high in carbohydrate. And, in that, and now a lot of those same people are saying, hold on a second, actually, you know, these are foods to include. So paleo, by definition, is still anti-grain, anti-legume, but the biggest What's the word I'm looking for? The biggest change, I guess, or the biggest, um, um, yeah, the switch or change that I've seen happen is that a lot of those people are now saying, yes, starchy vegetables are actually an important part of the diet. You don't want to go crazy with them, but they are foods to include. And you can and you can get plenty. That- you can get plenty of carbs from doing paleo. I think so. Yes. yes. Okay, I just wanted yes. to get that out there so that people know. Because there, there is a, you know, on your little key here in the book, there's, you know, the little paleo symbol on a lot of the recipes. And so I just wanted to make sure that everybody know, knew that when you said, you know, you weren't necessarily a proponent of low carb because, it's, like you said, a lot of Hashimoto's and hypothyroid people don't do so well. And then there's all these, you know, uh, paleo, you know, keys here on, the, on your recipe. So I just wanted to make that clarification for people. You can get plenty of carbs and things from doing paleo and certainly from yes. these fabulous recipes. <laughs> and some and we, people don't want the carbs, yeah. right? I mean, we tried to meet people where they were. We didn't want to make the cookbook all things to everyone, but we tried our hardest to meet people where they were. And frankly, there's a lot of people who are still adherents to the paleo diet, which is fine if that's mm-hmm. working for them. So we wanted, you know, we wanted to make this cookbook as accessible to people as possible. Yeah, we love I that. Think people are going to people are going to come into that. The, you know, maybe, sorry, I just wanted to add. Um, people are going to you know come into this. Maybe they're trying EIP currently and working on healing their gut and working on finding out, trying to identify what foods are their inflammatory triggers. But maybe six months from now, they're incorporating foods back into their diet. That you know, over time, because they've worked on gut healing, because they've worked on finding out what foods they need to keep out of their diet in the longer run, um, they can start incorporating other foods back in. So we wanted to be really flexible with with our approach. You definitely are. You definitely did that. Meeting people where they are, That I think that's so important. You know, uh, Dana and I, we point that out so often that there's people who are going to do you know, well on keto, they're going to do well on lower carbs for some, you know, some like Dana and I. The reason we asked that question is because neither one of us really did well on low carbs. That was something that we really um, did not resonate with us. So we love that you meet people where they are. You know, let's just be well is where you, your stance in this book, and I love that. Honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's, can I, do you mind if I ask the goitrogen question? We would love to hear what your research has shown and even your own personal experiences with goitrogens and how you present that in your in your cookbook for thyroid patients. So this is Jill, and even before I did all the research around whether or not goitrogens really are good, are they bad, I had written a substantive blog post, I don't know, this is like two years before I even wrote the manuscript for the book, based on 
really an intuitive hit that I got, which was I find it very hard to believe that these foods are categorically bad because they are so rich in phytonutrients. We have the science that shows us how cancer-fighting cruciferous vegetables are. Um, And this was largely actually – so I had read several years ago the book by – David Servan Schreiber, he's now passed away, but he wrote the book Anti-Cancer. And it reads like a novel. I mean, it's his personal story about having been diagnosed with cancer twice. And um, it's a fantastic read. And, um, I mean, this is certainly not the only place that I had read how cancer-fighting cruciferous vegetables are. But as time went on and I started reading about how goitrogens, you know, goitrogenic foods such as cauliflower, broccoli, kale, Brussels sprouts, there's others, but those are the biggies, um, slow thyroid function, I bought it, lock, stock, and barrel. I'm like, oh, okay, so maybe we shouldn't be eating these foods. But then I was like, hold on a second. This just, is this kind of like a two steps forward, two steps back situation? Because we also know that those foods are very supportive to the immune system. So with Hashimoto's, if the root of the problem is an immune system problem, you know, a lot of doctors in the functional medicine community say, if you have Hashimoto's, you don't really have a thyroid problem, you have immune dysregulation. Well, if we have the science that shows us that these vegetables are immune supportive, is this a two steps back, two two steps forward situation where, you know, if people are not eating these foods because they're afraid that they're going to develop a goiter or they're going to further slow their thyroid function, you know, is the um, potential lack of nutrition to the immune system worth it, right? So this was an intuitive thing. And then I really did the research, and I was like, wow, first of all, a lot of the studies on goitrogens were done on animals. They were not done on humans. Um, and basically I found from, like, Dr. Joel Furman, Dr. Detise Krasian, uh, Dr. Frank Lippman, I quote all of them in that blog post and I think also in the chapter in the cookbook, that this is um, largely a fallacy. And basically they are too phytonutrient-rich rich and immune-supportive and cancer-fighting. And I think it was Dr. Joel Furman who said eating cruciferous vegetables is not optional. <laughs> so... Um, Dr. Detise Karazian said, anyone who tells people not to eat these foods does not know the scientific literature. And that right there was enough for me. Um, I, I quote him in the cookbook. And since then, I've seen a lot of other experts say, hey, maybe we need to rethink this because we just don't have the science to back up that, that these are actually harmful to the thyroid. And unfortunately, I don't remember who it was who said this, but some prominent expert in the functional medicine community said, you know, we really need to change this word, goitrogen or goitrogenic, because the root word is goiter, and Mm -hmm. that's what people are afraid of. They're afraid of a goiter. They're afraid of having their thyroid function compromised in any way. So he said, you know, it's really unfortunate that these are called goitrogens or goitrogenic vegetables because that root word, goiter, is what people are so afraid of and they don't need to be. Right. 
that's a that's a good point and and we love that i mean i know that for me when i eat some of those foods uh, <laughs> i do feel my thyroid swell i feel my throat swell um but you know now i kind of question whether it's actually a a, a sulfur issue <laughs> more so than a goitrogen although we know soy is a goitrogen yes mhm or we need to figure out a new word for the for that right what would be a good – let's think about that for a minute, ladies. If we don't want to call it a goitrogen, what would we call it? Um, an inhibitor? Because we, we know that soy, right, the research shows that soy will inhibit thyroid hormone. So is that yeah, kind I'm not of crazy about soy. Someone? Right. I mean, I think we can all hands down be like, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> for God's sake, even levothyroxine puts it in their pamphlet that included – with the medication, right, that, you know, soy is not going to work for you, uh, so we can agree on that. But I, I honestly, for the longest time, you know, I have steered clear of, you know, what was classified as that goitrogenic foods long before I even knew I had a thyroid problem. This goes all the way back to childhood where I didn't feel well. But then, you know, now, you know, I scratch my head and I go, maybe it's more of a sulfur issue for me. But I do and it's know very bio-individual. Feel... It's very bio-individual. Bio That's what I was going to say, you know, before. I, I wasn't necessarily going to throw you under the bus today, Tiff, but you did it yourself. So when you were talking about goitrogens, what I was going to mention is that Tiffany is one of those people who does react. She definitely reacts when she eats goitrogenic foods. But that doesn't mean, well, for one thing, like you said, there's not enough, you know, science and literature out there that says specifically, but... It, the thing is, the point is, is that it's very bio-individual for for each person. I mean, some, you know, someone might not be able to eat cashews because of this or that, or they can't have, you know, right. shrimp or, you know, so it's very bio-individual, but it does happen to affect Tiffany. And as she said, maybe it's a sulfur issue. What do you guys think about the whole sulfur? Um, she's Because she's actually cut sulfur out of her diet and noticed a huge difference. And we're talking garlic. Things we yeah, all love. Yeah, I was just going to say, right? what about garlic and onions? Yeah. Right. No, so... no, hang on. Let me, let me reclassify the whole cutting cutting sulfur out, okay? Okay, it, it minimizing. It would be such an unhealthy thing to do, right, minimizing. So, you know, I'm a huge garlic fan. Like, I mean, literally a huge garlic fan. So that puppy is never going away, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. chopping an onion, whatever. But what I've noticed is, uh, kind of, you know, when, when something calls for four cloves, I put in nine. You know what I'm saying? Me too. <laughs> uh, really Me too. So, so let's just reclassify going back actually helpful. Let's just put it that way. So I don't avoid them, but it's more about being aware of them and also combination of them. Like, you know, I'll eat things with, you know, sautéed spinach and different things like that. There are definitely certain certain ones that, that, you know, I can't go anywhere near, you know, like raw kale and a kale salad. I feel like I'm going to die. You know, my husband's like, oh, my God, there must have been kale in there or something like that. I don't know what it is. But the reason we point it out is because I know I'm not alone. So I want to tell those people out there, you're not crazy. We're not really sure what to call it or what's happening. <laughs> but you're not alone. <laughs> That's all I wanted to, wanted to point out. Yeah, and I I don't want to discount anyone's experience. I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a client who swore that as soon as she started taking raw kale out of her morning smoothies, she did remarkably better. 
And I, I, you know, I'm not going to discount that. Um, and I'm not saying that okay. no one will, or how do I say it? I, I don't want to say that everyone across the board should eat, quote, unquote, goitrogenic foods. If someone knows that they um, respond unfavorably, then the proof is in the pudding, right? Like if you're not, if you feel it or if you feel swelling in your throat or you feel that they're just not right for you in any way, whether they cause digestive distress or whatever. Um, but you raise a good point about the sulfur. And I have seen that um, several times with my clients where they're, um, they can't handle high sulfur foods or they can't handle a lot of sulfur-rich foods. It can cause, you know, all kinds of symptoms. So Right. So I- so it's more about a combination, and I love the way that you, you know, you almost say, we need to redefine this, right? I mean, so if it's not goitrogen, you know, and it's individual, we need to redefine it per person. You know, we just, we can't, that those blanket statements are so hard to make with the bioindividuality and, and even the genetics. I mean, when that, you know, when my genetic report came back, I was like, aha, <laughs> Offline, but I'm curious when you eat other quote unquote goitrogenic foods that are not cruciferous vegetables and that are not high in sulfur, I'm wondering what happens. You know, like what? turnips or edamame what? or watercress or flax or peaches or millet. Like, yeah. Okay, I can just tell you no, 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 and no. Then maybe it's a sulfur issue. Right. Maybe. So it's I don't exactly, know. Exactly. Right? And then some foods maybe are a combination of the two, and that's what makes it totally worse. Like, you know, I can have certain things with cashews in it. You know, and I, I hate to, like, classify because, you know, as thyroid, you know, patients, that's why I love your cookbook. I'm so excited to to try the recipes in there because not everything hits me the same. That's the weirder part. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can have you know, kale that's in a that's in a soup or a stew that's in a reasonable amount and feel just fine. But in a kale salad or kale in a smoothie, I literally feel, and it, and it sounds kind of crazy, but I literally feel like I'm just shy of going to die. That's how much swelling I get in my thyroid. And my antibodies never really were sky high. I mean, you're talking about, you know, I was tippy top ever at 300. So it wasn't like my antibodies were 2,000 and we would expect this. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, I love the, it, it sounds strange, but I love the diversity in thyroid patients. And I love the fact that, you know, like you said, paleo proponents are starting to change. I love the fact that we listen to each other, that we say, oh, okay, well, you know, maybe we should, you know, rethink that or reclassify that or do that because then we all grow together, right? We can respect everybody's experiences rather than say, you know, I remember when I first entered into the thyroid community, you know, I got told flat out that I was crazy on the goitrogen subject. And I'm like, okay, I live this, you know. And then I would get all these PMs from other people 
that maybe we're too afraid to say it in a in a large forum. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, okay, so I'm not crazy and I'm not alone. There's a shout out there to Stacy Robbins, who's a Stacy. We're so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just love our, I just love the thyroid community. I, I really do. And so I, we are always so appreciative, and we never are pointing out that this is wrong or that is wrong. It's more about just really sharing, you know, experiences and the diversity in the thyroid community. So. We are so very grateful for your research and, and, and sharing with us. I mean, it's an awesome topic, right? Well, yeah, and like Jill, Jill was saying, I think it was Jill, now I'm getting you guys confused, but you were talking about how you, you learned so much from your patients um, as to what works for them, and you started paying close attention to that, and you, and you learned that, wow, this is different for this person, this is different for this person. I mean, you, you really, it's kind of, I don't know, embracing, it's a, just a good feeling hearing people say those kinds of things. And, and we already kind of knew what your philosophy was. And so we kind of just wanted to bring things up so that, you know, everybody else could, you know, learn and, and that kind of thing. But we just appreciate it because it, it just makes Thank everybody you. feel so good. It brings the, the thyroid community together. You know, you guys in the book that you don't say we're God and we know everything. <laughs> right? I mean, and, you know, you give you give everybody like a just a good uh what is the what is it what was the quote that she said earlier tiff that you that you mentioned i can't remember you meet people where you where they are that's just like yeah you meet people where they are hands down that's the takeaway from this i mean it's perfect we love that about you guys thank you and i have to really give a big shout out to lisa around all this because you know i wrote the educational component and she did developed all those amazing recipes but as i was writing the outline for the educational component and, you know, really starting to work on the manuscript, I was nervous about some of the things that I was writing because um, I thought I might get laughed out of my community of colleagues. You know, people are going to think, you know, this girl doesn't know what she's talking about. And I kept checking in with Lisa and saying, this is what I want to write. Are you okay with this? This is what I want to say. Are you okay with this? And she was totally on board, not because she was just, you know, deferring to me and saying, oh, yeah, whatever you think, like she actually knows this stuff too. And so it was a perfect partnership because all of these topics that are slightly and not even slightly controversial, some are quite controversial, I was very opinionated about. And Lisa was with me every step of the way. She's like, yep, I agree. Yep, let's, yep, move forward. Yep, yep, yep. So, you know, we were in lockstep with one another in in developing the, the concepts behind this book. Well, and you're both Hashimoto patients, so let's face it, ladies, I mean, you've got some proof in the pudding there just between the two of you, you know, in the research and the recipes and all these different things, which is, it's huge. Like you said, proof is in the pudding. That's that's the whole, you know, takeaway, too. If something makes you feel good, you know, great, and if it doesn't, then, you know, you kind of file that in your, hmm, you know, file cabinet in your head. Yeah. So I have a multi-million dollar question, ladies. What would you tell someone who is struggling to make these positive dietary changes that is struggling with, you know, 50 bottles of supplements and which could be mm-hmm. the wrong forms just as a doubt? What would you tell them? I don't have the time. I don't have the interest. I can't cook. You know, I'm, I, you know, how do I know that these are good for me? And oh, what do you tell these people? Yeah, I can, uh, this is Lisa. I can try to speak to that. Um, 
you know, since this book has come out and it's, I've had questions from people who, I, you know, we kind of live in this bubble because we're living it, right? We've been experimenting with this food, this way of cooking for years. And to try to have a beginner's mind about some of this stuff, uh, I have to remind myself, okay, what if somebody doesn't have any clue that there's even a connection between nutrition and thyroid health? What would I tell them? And, you know, really, honestly, we just we, that's the first step is we have to kind of understand the, the why before we can determine the how. And, you know, why, you know, why does nutrition affect the thyroid? What are some things that, you know, you can start focusing on in your day-to-day? Because nutrition is just one piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, there's other lifestyle things that are going to, factor in like stress and sleep and all these other things and obviously our cookbooks focused on on the nutrition strategies but you know we really want people to first recognize that the that the thyroid is such a nutrient dependent gland and that there are we we sit down we have choices every time we sit down to eat every day what are we going to put in our bodies are we going to put foods in that have the ability to nourish and heal our bodies are we going to put foods in that might potentially cause inflammation or cause some sort of a, you know, negative response. And so um, we really just, that's our goal as educators is to try to help people start making those connections. Um, but, you know, being, having been there, having been in that, in that place of being so fatigued that I just don't even want to do anything for myself, I have to think back to what can I do, you know, that's easy. And sometimes it's just, making a cup of tea, like just doing the best I can, you know, like what can I do? What are some easy things that I can do today that I know will help reduce inflammation that I'm feeling in my body? Is it giving myself time to take a nap? Is it, you know, giving myself time to get in the in the tub so that maybe I have enough energy later to cook dinner? Um, it can be overwhelming. I I admit it can be totally overwhelming to know where to start. And like when you said, you know, when you factor in, the supplement regimens that we get on and things like that too. It's like, am I even, is what I'm taking even working? Um, I would just start small, start simple. Um, Try to choose a few places that you know that that you can actually focus on, um, whether it's, you know, uh, just trying to try some of these recipes that are, that take, you know, 15 to 20 minutes versus trying to um, do, everything all at once. Um, you know, one of the things we also tried to do in our book is, is share people, share, you know, how to, how to set up your pantry with some of these ingredients that might be unfamiliar or, you know, maybe somebody's never cooked with almond flour or um, never used coconut aminos. Maybe they've heard of it, but just educate yourself and little by little over time, you'll start to get a better understanding and, and these habits can become, you know, or these these habits can become second nature. I didn't see that okay. part. Oh, I'm so excited. That's so that's so cool. Oh, I, know, right? the, I didn't see that part. I'm going to cover to cover later. I know you're a new mom. Uh, I was just that... going to say, you heard it too. We heard you. Yep. I heard baby. <laughs> yep. Got all yeah, like, pretty and happy. Yeah, I am. I've got a six-week-old, seven-week-old baby, and I apologize. I had to grab her because she was crying. 
Never I did it on YouTube. Never. No. Nope. I have four. Diana has two. So we totally, we like baby people. We're like, ooh, I hear baby. I, think I, I hear baby. Smell them. Like, Wait a minute. Yeah. Everybody stop down. There's a baby. Well, Tiff has four, her four in the car with her right now. So, yeah, we totally understand. Oh, <laughs> and I hear what we're saying. Yeah. Congratulations, brought up, by the way. Thank you. And since we brought her up, or since she kind of brought herself up, <laughs> um, I do want to say also that, you know, I know sometimes people can be in a place of being so overwhelmed and not knowing where to start with trying to, to heal and get better. Like, I was in this place where I didn't know if I was going to be able to have any more kids. I, it wasn't so much that I was having fertility issues. It's just I didn't even know if my husband and I should should try to have a baby because of how crappy I felt. <laughs> although I really wanted to have one. And on my 40th birthday, I remember telling a friend, you know, I guess I'm going to start, you know, start grieving the fact that I'm not going to grow my family because I just don't know if I'm ever going to feel 100% better. And, you know, she, so my daughter, um, I became pregnant last winter, and we found out right before Christmas. And um, she, we call her our miracle baby because mm-hmm. she kind of snuck in under the wire. I was 40 and a half years old, <laughs> again, just stacking wow. in the age. But uh, um, anyways, I, I don't. I guess I just want to give people hope that that you can, you know, taking these small steps um, to improve your health. I obviously I was in a state where I could get pregnant, and I had a very healthy pregnancy. I felt fantastic. I mean, the beginning of my pregnancy was typical with morning sickness and all that, but I felt really great the rest of my pregnancy and I'm doing well postpartum and I think that's been a huge part of my healing as well it's just like getting over this mindset that maybe I can't do this because of my illness that's I just got goosebumps ray of hope I know right yes. right it does feel overwhelming and you just gave us hope and gooing from this little miracle right and you pushed <laughs> everything so the Hashimoto's yeah. the Lyme you know, uh, the mycotoxin, the metabolic endotoxemia, the, and here you have this beautiful, healthy pregnancy at 40-plus and a healthy baby and healthy postpartum, and that is awesome, doesn't even cover it, but it's unfortunately my favorite word. You know, I'm one of those valley girls, and, <laughs> you know, uh, awesome just, like, means everything to me. That is, that's it's awesome. amazing. I know. And you co-authored this amazing book, and you're helping so many people. I mean, wow. Wow. Lots well, of and I have to tell you really quick, too, nutrition for me, like my meals make or break no matter how well my thyroid medication is optimized. Just kind of food for thought for the listeners out there. Literally, my meal can can make me feel like I'm hypothyroid all over again, like within an hour. So it, it's with perfectly optimized thyroid levels. So, I mean, I, for me, I think the future is going to show us that, you know, potentially the thyroid fluctuates a lot more than we think it does during mm-hmm. the day. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's just my own hypothesis out there, but um, I do live it. So I, I appreciate your book more than anything. Mm-hmm. Really Thank you. Nourishing skills. And I have to ask you, both you guys, what your favorite? You gotta do it. Gotta try it. You got, recipe yeah. in your book is. Yep. 
Uh, Jill here. I don't remember the exact title of the recipe. Lisa, you can correct me, but it's the blackberry sage salmon. Mm, I just saw the picture, right? That's one of the ones with the pictures, I think. Oh, my. Uh, the blackberry of blackberries and sage is to die for. No, maybe that's not it. But there's another salmon one that I was looking at. Wild salmon and arugula salad with maple toasted pecans and apple cider vinaigrette. I mean, this is what I want oh for lunch. <laughs> this is what I want for lunch. So, okay, so that's your favorite. Well, blackberry so, Okay, wait, I'm writing it down. No, I think it's funny that you're asking that question because we have been working so hard on getting the cookbook out up until, you know, September. And then in, um, just recently, in the last two to three weeks, I've actually started cooking more again, you know, having had the baby and everything. So I get to see this book through new eyes, through fresh eyes, and I get to try these recipes that we had tested. We had a group of recipe testers help us out with all of that. But so it's like I'm I, this oh, is I like a, a new experience for me all over again. But I have to say the the recipe that, that I probably made the most out of the book just because it's so easy and it's kind of a crowd pleaser are the almond, but the um, triple chocolate flourless with the flourless triple chocolate walnut brownies. Um, There's definitely a picture of those. Yeah. And when I, I I saw those funny because when we had our recipe testers helping us out, I had to tell them to stop making that one because I already had enough feedback on it. (laughs) It's like, you know, I think, you know, 10 of the 30 people who we had test our recipes went right to that one um, and made it. But last night, for example, I made the the Tuscan quinoa minestrone, and I actually had that for breakfast this morning because it was so good, and my body was craving it <clears throat> again, and I just wanted something quick and easy for breakfast that felt like it would fill me up and give me some good nourishment to start my day. Um, oh, so, my, you, you know, just love, just, love that one. The Tuscan minestrone. That's the other thing yeah. I wanted to, to say. This, this is not just a thyroid cookbook. No. This is a really um, family cookbook, healthy cookbook. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In fact, most of our testers probably didn't have um, thyroid imbalances, <laughs> um, and they were cooking these recipes for their families. And you know, it, that's the thing is like we want people to eat real food, and and but. For, specific for thyroid health to understand the the why behind it. Oh my! What in the world? What is this? Cocoa, cacao infused enchilada sauce? Oh my goodness! Oh my god! Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Okay, I'm hungry. Okay, before we go, before we let you guys go, we always ask. What's on your um, meal plan for the day? And since you guys have this fabulous recipe book, if you don't have something that you, you know, that you're really going to make, then just make something up that sounds great from the book. We want to know what you're, what you're having the rest of the day. We want to know what's on the menu. Well, I haven't tired of the, of the soup yet, so I'm probably going to have quinoa minestrone again this afternoon. But um, to balance it out, I always have a little bit of a sweet tooth. And I, you know, being uh, postpartum here and needing to grab something with one hand, <laughs> um, mm-hmm, I'm right. really hoping to to have some time to make the pumpkin chocolate chip muffins. Mm. Again, it's just trying to hone in on seasonal flavors as well. It's like I always like to. I my body always gravitates towards wanting those things that are in season. So pumpkin chocolate chip muffins today. 
Well, and let's face it, that, you know, as a food-controlled diabetic, right, you know, we get kind of this sweets as being bad. And, you know, honestly, it depends on how they're made. Not always. They can be very, very nourishing uh, treats as well. So I appreciate that. can totally appreciate the pumpkin because I, I start to crave that around this time of the year, just period, anyway. <laughs> okay, Jill, what's yours? What are you having today? Well, I actually had to run a couple of errands this morning, and I was chuckling when you guys were talking about the parfait earlier because one of the primary reasons I went to my co-op this morning was to get raw cashews so that I could make that berry parfait. Um, and I picked up a lunch for myself at the co-op. They don't have this dish all the time, but it's a wonderful combination of rosemary chicken, um, sweet potatoes, and massaged kale. So I had to pick that up. And then for dinner tonight, I'm actually making that salmon dish that I just mentioned. I'm making. I got. I got some salmon and I got some fresh sage. So I'm. I'm making that tonight. That sounds so good. That's like top of my list. It yeah, does I'm sound pretty good. excited about it. I bet everybody's <laughs> just you know everybody listening is you know starving and going out to get the cookbook uh, immediately because <laughs> it, they just sound so wonderful. Besides that, they look really good too. I'm very visual, so the pictures, the pictures just make it look so juicy. I don't know how they do that, but I just love it. So we just appreciate you guys and what you guys are doing for the thyroid world and um, coming out with something so incredible so like nice. this and so very well thought out and so much put into it with your science and, you know, just the, the way that you guys did the key uh, for everybody and the nutrients, all the little special touches, all the little pull quotes that you guys have out. It's just really wonderful. I think people will get a lot from it. So thank you both. Thank you so much. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You're welcome. Thank you so much. You guys both have a great day. You too. Thank you. You Thank you again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. That book is so well thought out. I mean, I am really, really impressed and excited to try these I know. recipes. I really have. That I know. blackberry stage thing. Oh my god! Now I'm going to be thinking about that all day. <laughs> That's bad. Oh, it's just. Oh, uh, it just, just sounds so good. The combination. I know. I know. See, now you have some recipes you and Wyatt can throw together. Oh yeah. Okay, I'm definitely going to do that in like five minutes. Here I go. <laughs> It's funny because um, I just I was flipping through the book and as I was flipping through I just saw Dr. Allen and I had to go back to see and they quote um, it says according to thyroid expert Dr. Allen Christensen over 40% of those with Hashimoto's may never have positive antibody tests and that's something he said on the last show but he was just you know he was just on last week and I saw that I was flipping through so just wanted to mention that um it's got lots of great information in this book not just the recipes so you got to check it out Whew, that was fun I like i'm hungry part. Appealing to, i know right appealing to the nerd part of me i love it and the pictures yeah. are beautiful it is a beautiful beautiful cookbook of course you can find all things jill and lisa at healthfulelements.com just like it sounds healthfulelements.com and they have a lovely site as well and you can read more about uh, the two of them on the homepage and just amazing stories, amazing women, and this amazing, amazing cookbook and project together. I mean, that's, that is just so awesome. I love the way she 
went back and forth with, you know, is this okay? Are you okay with this? I mean, just love. There was love in this book as well, which is just so very cool. Total teamwork. Me too. I have so many great women around me, and it makes me happy when you hear other women that work together on things and and they love what they're doing. I just, it's it's really, really cool. Uh, Okay. As always, a very big thank you to our listeners. You get a free minute. Uh, We'd love a little review on iTunes. Doesn't take too long. Just a quick little something to let us know what you're thinking. We'd really appreciate it. And if you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation Radio podcasts, you can download them on iTunes while you're there or Stitcher, uh, Google Play, pretty much everywhere. And we always have the playback of this. So uh, for next time, if you can't be here live with us, there's always a playback at thyroidradio.com. Mm-hmm. And, of course, be sure to check out Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com. Just wonderful, clean, preservative-free, helpful, beneficial skincare and uh, different products to help you through with your journey. Yeah. And I just got my whole uh, set replenished. So I have them all. They all look pretty, and they're all sitting here on my desk. I'm so happy. I love them all. Check them out if you guys uh, want to maybe replace some of the things that you're, uh, you know, on the list of, you know, trying to get rid of in your household because these uh, these are good for you. So also Thrive Probiotic. We can't say enough good things about them. Um, no, that's one can't. of the reasons we waited to have a sponsor as long as we did because we really wanted to believe in the product. So it feels so synergistic and fabulous to have them support us uh, so we can support them as well. Just Make sure to follow Thyroid Nation. What? Yep. I should oh. get on that email list, right? Yes. Yes. Pretty cool. These webinars are really, really, really interesting. Oh, and information so fabulous. is changing. Let's put it, put it that way. I mean, it's just, it's good to stay on top of that. So thriveprobiotic.com. We love them. We resonate with them. It's, it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to say, like I always say, make sure to follow Thyroid Nation on all the social media platforms. You pretty much know where to find us, but check out the Hashi's group so uh, you can stay in touch with what we have coming uh, down the pike, uh, like the new guests. You know, like I know that we have uh, Dr. Mark Hyman has signed up to uh, talk with everybody on our show in January, along with uh, Ben Lynch, MTHFR, Master Guru, and tons of others. So uh, you can find out all the goings-on in our Hashi's group. Absolutely. And, of course, most importantly, was so very well showcased in this particular um, episode by Wellness is a journey. I love the fact that these wonderful women said we're going to meet you wherever you are in your journey in this cookbook. But we are on a journey, and it does take continual maintenance and evaluation and constantly listening to the signal from your body. And that beautiful built-in diagnostician that is unique to you, make sure you're always listening to it. It's really, really, really important. And I read a quote not too long ago, can't remember who said it. I'll have to figure it out. Most people don't realize just how amazing our bodies are designed to feel. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's people so- don't, right? Okay, Hi. this is Dana. And Tiffany. Your Thyroid Nation Thrivers bringing the collective voice of Thyroid Thrivers worldwide so that together, united, we heal. Thanks, guys.
See you next week. Bye.